Robinson, Sabonis, two-man game inside. Domas, dominant, dynamite inside on that one. Not afraid, and he got some dog in. And the steal, they can tie it with a three. Murray, yes! A Murray miracle in the desert! Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Bulls podcast presented by the Kings Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and today recording this pretty late admittedly about to be midnight after the sacramento kings played the boston celtics on tuesday march 21st and appreciate anybody that does still happen to hop in this live chat again i know it's pretty late here and the plan typically is to go live a little bit earlier post game during home games specifically but they're uh seemingly setting up golden one center for i'd guess some other event tomorrow and it got a little loud after i got all my audio clips ready and everything and i wanted to stay and make sure that i got some quotes from jalen brown and jason tatum as well which ended up making the night or so apologies for the little bit of a later start but let's just kind of get into this game and we can talk a bit about Sacramento's road trip leading into this in general just to lay out some context as the Kings were going into place the second best team in the Eastern Conference but they had just come off a three-game road trip where I'm sorry a four-game road trip where they played Chicago and Brooklyn on a back-to-back one-day break before they play Washington and then a one-day break before they play in Utah and on the second night of a back to back, which was tonight, Tuesday, they played the Boston Celtics five games in seven days. I think that this is only year two for me, but I had never heard of that. And coach Brown said himself at one point, I think it was in pregame that this is about as tired as he's been in his career. And That was never going to be used as an excuse, but I think that it's important to acknowledge because I'm sure it had an impact in this game and you could see that. And also to start, the Kings played pretty well on that road trip to come out three and one in that road trip. I know that that Utah game was frustrating for people, understandably so because of just the atrocious start that Sacramento had in that one. And, I mean, you just never want to see the Kings lose to a team that is in the spot where Utah is, which are flirting with making the play-in. I think there is a chance that Utah ends up in the postseason. But they didn't have Lori Markinen. They didn't have Jordan Clarkson. They didn't have Colin Sexton. And instead, it was Ochai Abaji giving them work. Chris Dunn, who I can't remember the last time I watched Chris Dunn play basketball, I will admit. Kelly Olenek, Walker Kessler had five blocks in that game and actually made life pretty difficult on DeMontis Sabonis, I thought, but not the biggest deal in my mind. And I thought that it was actually one of the better games that we saw from De'Aaron Fox. He was not great. In that first quarter, nobody was good for Sacramento in that first quarter. They had 19 points in the first quarter compared to Utah's 40. But De'Aaron still managed to end the game with 37 points and kind of single-handedly, I should take that back. He got some good help from Harrison Barnes in the second quarter and good help from Keaton Murray in the third quarter. 
but he really did. I think everything he could in that second and third quarter to do his part in making that a game and making it competitive for Sacramento. It was one of his better showings, I thought, and a lot of it had to do with the three-point shot going down, and and De'Aaron has been knocking the three down at a pretty good rate. But I don't want to dive too much into the Utah game. I, I want to spend a majority of the time talking about Boston since I'm just coming, just got home from that game, and that's kind of what's fresh on my mind. To start this game against Boston, and be, as Benjamin points out in the st- in the chat, by the way, five games, seven nights, three different time zones. So that absolutely adds to it. But coming into this game, there's no Kevin Herter. Once again, he had a right popliitis strain. I think it's popliitis. Was talking about this with some of the other media guys today. Point being, it's behind his knee. Helps with balance and sort of knee stability. Not something you want to play with too bad. Doesn't sound like it's anything to be concerned about long-term. He was questionable headed into this game against Boston, the same way he was questionable headed into the game against the Utah Jazz. So again, nothing long-term concerning. Coach Brown was asked about it post-game and said that, you know, they'll have a day off tomorrow because there was back-to-back, so they'll get the day off. And then also on Thursday, sorry, I got confused for a second there because my calendar just switched to Wednesday. But on Thursday as well, when when they come in, that he'll be evaluated and kind of see where to go from there. So it sounds like it's nothing long-term. He's been listed as day-to-day, no long-term concerns there, which is a good sign for sure. But Boston was getting Robert Williams back from an extended absence, which I think made a significant difference for them. And once again, Kessler Edwards got the start in place of Kevin Herter. Sorry if I'm a little slow. I'm I'm pretty exhausted. I'm not going to lie. But wanted to make sure to get this out tonight. End of the first quarter, it was 30-32 to 32 in favor of the Kings. And right away, Jason Tatum was going to be a problem. Which should not be all that surprising. Walker, I'm sorry, Walker Kessler still on the Utah game, which I'm sure... I'd imagine a lot of us have made that mistake between Kessler Edwards and Walker Kessler, but Kessler Edwards was the one guarding Jason Tatum. He got a couple of quick fouls, which, you know, not ideal. Not exactly how you want to guard that guy by sending him to the free throw line. Kessler Edwards got two fouls, played a little less than five minutes, ended up getting pulled. And they actually went the direction of Terrence Davis and Davion Mitchell a bit there. And I thought both of those guys played great. I think that the Kings in general have been getting pretty good bench production recently. Maybe not so much in that Utah game outside of Malik Monk, but I think their bench production has been pretty solid as of late. And specifically Davion Mitchell in this game, you know, just to kind of finish the vague game recap, as the game continued to go on, it was close at halftime, 60-54 in Boston's favor. And the standout was eight offensive rebounds for Boston compared to five for Sacramento and also one turnover for Boston compared to seven for Sacramento. And that just jumps off the page right away. Third quarter, nine point advantage for Boston. The final quarter, Sacramento only managed to put up 24 points. And this is where their offense looked a little stagnant. And I think that I can just kind of move towards coach Brown's post game presser that I'm going to be including in here. And I also 
I, I chopped up bits and pieces of Coach Bounton's postgame presser and then actually also have all of De'Aaron Fox's postgame presser that I wanted to include because that was only about two minutes. De'Aaron clearly was unhappy with how the night went, and I think that hearing his, his perspective can be beneficial for you guys. I, I think it's just good to to get the perspective of, of De'Aaron, who will come out after losses at times and, and be pretty down, which is absolutely understandable, but... Let's just start with coach's opening statement coming out of this, what was 132-109 loss. Again, fifth game in seven nights, three different time zones, as someone in the chat pointed out. So brutal schedule, but of course that's never going to be used as an excuse. Easy assessment. They, they kicked our behinds. Um, starting with me, we all got our behinds kicked. Um, there's nothing tricky or hidden behind what I'm saying. It's a Logan he's doing. Um, they uh, switched everything and turned us over. Um, we had 14 turnovers, and they capitalized off of almost every turnover. So they beat us in a turnover game. Um, they had five turnovers, and we scored six points off their five turnovers. So right there, they outscored us by 15 points in, tur- in the turnover game. And then <clears throat> and then in the um, re- uh, second chance game, you know, we, we did get 10 offense rebounds. They only got 11, but every single one of them that every single rebound that they got, they seemed to hit a three or, or get a big bucket. And so they, they outscored us by 12 there. And, and that, 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 that's the ball game, you know, and, and you got two guys like, uh, Tatum and Brown, uh, their load and, we, we didn't we didn't have an answer for him, so you you got to give the Celtics credit. Um, nothing else I can say besides what the facts are. Yeah, I mean, sorry if the audio is a little bit harsh. I recorded that audio a little bit too loud, so hopefully that came out okay for you guys. But the five turnovers that Boston had on the night is the lowest amount that Sacramento has forced any team into this season. They've have two different games where a team only had six. And one of those is that game in Brooklyn. And of course they managed to come out on top in that one, but it's really about doing the little things when you're playing one of the better teams in the league. And I know that Boston had been struggling post all-star break, but especially getting Robert Williams back, I think is so essential for them specifically for the purpose of their size. And they really outsize Sacramento when they're out there. You know, there's a time where we're talking about, De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, Terrence Davis, Keegan Murray, and DeMontis Sabonis against Malcolm Brogdon, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, and Robert Williams. The size difference there is ridiculous. But obviously there's that, and then also offensive rebounds, right? It was the... You know, 11 offensive rebounds compared to 10 for Sacramento doesn't sound bad, right? But at the end of the third, that number, I'm sorry, at the end of half, that number was eight compared to five. And coach pointed out that it's less about the offensive rebounds themselves and more about not converting after the fact. So while there's only a one rebound difference between those offensive rebounds in favor of Boston, there is a 12 point advantage in second chance points being able to knock down your shots after you get those offensive rebounds is so important. I think one of the best shots in basketball is a kick out three after an offensive rebound. Sacramento wasn't 
able to get great looks there and they were not able to convert when they did get decent looks. So that was a significant difference there. And when it comes to the turnovers, um, I don't recall if this is my question or somebody else's. I believe it's mine towards Coach Brown. I kind of asked him what he thought led to those turnovers because, again, as he pointed out, I thought that both the turnovers and the offensive rebounds were what kind of made the difference here. So here's Coach Brown post game talking about what led to that difference in turnovers where Sacramento ends the night with 14 and Boston ends the night with five. Yeah, Coach, what stood out to you with Boston only having five turnovers and how much do you think that impacted your offense on the other end? Well, it, it, it you know, it impacted us uh, a lot in terms of the outcome of the game because we, we had 14. <laughs> you know, when when you play a good team, you know, in order to have a chance to win the game, you got to win the possession game, and that involves turnovers, um, our free throw attempts, and offense, offensive rebounds. And, you know, like, like I said, you know, to start my press conference, the offensive rebounds were – were fairly close, but we couldn't capitalize on the offensive rebounds we got like they did. So we, that hurt us in that regard. But, you know, the, the, the way that they um, were able to turn us over and, you know, we couldn't turn them over. Our hands weren't as active. Uh, you know, we, we challenged the guys to get 25 deflections with some activity with our, with our, with our hands and, and, and we didn't, we didn't come close. I think we had uh, 11 or 12 deflections. And so th- that inactivity uh, with, with our arms and our hands, um, especially in the passing lanes, uh, can, can be a downfall when you're looking at the turnover uh, battle. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us. All together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 Now streaming. He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Vacation Friends 2, rated R, now streaming only on Hulu. Well said from Coach, not much else I can really add to that. I, I think that, again, I do think the five nights and five games and seven nights does play an impact here. I get why people don't want to point towards that. I would honestly be pretty annoyed if, not annoyed, but I don't know what the right way to put it is. I would never expect coach brown specifically to come out and be like look this was a scheduled loss you know it's five games and seven nights three different time zones against the best the second best team in the eastern conference who's just getting back a guy that when he's right is up there with like defensive player of the year type candidates and robert williams uh, got in some foul trouble so he wasn't a huge impact tonight but he did still have an impact so i i think that's notable again not an excuse Sacramento had their opportunities to win this game. It did kind of come down to effort to the effort at the end. 
I think that there's one more, there's another quote I'm going to get to here about the offensive struggles that Sacramento had in this game, which is atypical, right? But they really had it in that late in that game, only scoring 24 points in the fourth quarter. And I think that coach did end up kind of calling it with somewhere around five minutes left in that game, went towards the deep bench and clearly was just good. So got to take a, those numbers with a little bit of a grain of salt, but there definitely were offensive struggles and that is atypical. And also this Boston defense, man, especially when Robert Williams is out there, that's the fourth in defensive rating, according to basketball reference. Again, I know they've been struggling post all-star break, but when Robert Williams is out there, this is one of the best defenses there is. So take that into account, but it was the hustle plays. There was one play in that. I don't have my, the time written down for it, but there was a play in that fourth quarter where Sacramento started to make a run. They started it to make it look like they could bring this back. Maybe it was actually in the third quarter, but I, I can find the clip on my on my page. I guess the details aren't super essential. Yeah, it's about nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. Sacramento is down six, and I'm sorry, 16. I cannot count right now. I'm so exhausted. Sacramento is down 14, and they miss a shot, and it looks like they're going to get this offensive rebound. Sort of Terrence Davis and De'Aaron Fox are both going towards it, but Grant Williams is in the area as well and dives on the floor to get this loose ball. If someone like De'Aaron Fox or to me more so Terrence Davis from looking at the angle of this clip also go all out dive on the floor. There's a chance they get this offensive rebound, but that sort of killed the momentum they had of a potential run. And again, there's other things they could have done better, not be down 14 in that position and also scored a bit more, I think to keep up with Boston I think that's another big aspect of turnovers, by the way, is these five turnovers also has to do with the Kings getting two fast break points Two. Now I do feel like fast break points as a stat are often somewhat inaccurate. I think there's a lot of like semi transition plays that should probably count as fast break points. I don't know exactly what qualifies specifically as like NBA stats, fast break points. But even this just number saying two is so standout. And a lot of that has to do with not getting turnovers and not being able to play fast. It's something that the Boston guys talked about Jalen and Jason post game that they, you do want to take Sacramento's pace away from them, not just in the full court, but in the half court as well. And I think limiting turnovers absolutely did that. But as I was saying, here's Coach Brown getting asked about what he saw with some of those offensive struggles. This was a great question by Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, who, by the way, I think does a phenomenal job covering this team. So be sure to check out his work if you're not already. Mike, when uh, when you go against a defense like Boston's, what's yeah. what's the counter that you guys have to have when they're forcing you into maybe a little too much ISO and one-on-one type stuff? Uh, you got to play with a pace in the half court. Like you, you got to sprint out in the uh, screen sometimes and slip to the rim to cause a chain reaction. Um, your cuts have to be extremely hard. 
um, the ball has to be moved and uh, crisp. And, and if you catch the ball and somebody's closing out to you, you can't hesitate. Like we have a, we had so many times where ball got swung after they're switching. And even if they messed it up a little bit, when you hold it, all you're doing is letting them get back in front, you know? Uh, and then you, you got to shoot the ball when you're open. I mean, there were a couple of times we were wide open and we dribbled into traffic, <laughs> you know, um, one of the things a guy's going to have to understand is come playoff team, playoff time, the best shot's an open shot because those are going to be hard to come by. And if we keep passing up open shots and driving into traffic and trying to make a play or force the action, uh, we're going to be in trouble. But, um, you know, they're, they're switching, switching, uh, bothered really bothered us. We couldn't score inside. We couldn't score outside, really. And you're going to have to play with some pace and slip to the rim to put some pressure on the rim to cause the defense to collapse a little bit, whether it's by a drive or, like I said, just a cut. And then that's when you can get a good look with with a spray three or a snap drive trying to get to the rim because their defense isn't really set. I think that one of the standout things to me that was kind of different about that compared to some of the other nights they maybe have offensive struggles was coach Brown talking about passing up shots and just needing to shoot it when you're open. I don't feel like we've ever heard that with this team. And to me, I think of Keegan Murray a bit in that aspect. He did end up getting a good bit of shots. I guess he shot five threes in each half. I'm going to have to go back and watch this tomorrow. Um, But I thought that, Keegan did end up playing more later, but I guess Harrison Barnes was the other person that I wanted to acknowledge there as well. Only shot seven shots in the game, two of four from three. You know, I think one of the most standout stats, if you just want to keep it simple when it comes to how coach is feeling about how somebody was performing that day, look at their minutes. There can be a good bit of fluctuation with some of these guys and Harrison Barnes playing just under 25 minutes says something. You know, Kessler Edwards playing less than 20 minutes says something. And there's different reasons that those guys did each of those. I think Kessler Edwards was struggling to contain Jason Tatum or when they put him on Jalen Brown. I thought that that was a struggle for him and specifically not fouling. And Jason, specifically Tatum, is so good at that, like hard in, you know, when you're gathering push the ball out and then rise up and you're forcing guys kind of into your arms, but you really have to pull back your hands there and be sure that there's no wiggle room for the refs to call that. And so one other thing I will say is that I noticed a lot of people on Twitter were really not happy with some of the calls and I get the frustrations. Um, what, I will say is what stood out to me more than maybe the calls that were getting called on Sacramento is the calls that could have been called more on Boston, but some like sometimes you're just going to get a couple, not even sometimes every game, you're going to get one or two whistles that are not in your favor. And typically that's going to happen for the other end as well. Maybe it didn't happen too often with Boston tonight. I thought Robert Williams got a couple, a couple tough whistles I think point being like this game went beyond the whistles. There was a couple frustrating calls. I think there was four whistles in the last minute of the half, right? Which that was the frustrating moment that kind of really had people going. 
but it, you know, admittedly does stand out that Boston had five, I'm sorry, eight fouls going into the third quarter. And the Kings have never played a team that has committed less than 15 fouls. Boston on the night committed 15. So they're right there with two other times that teams have only committed 15 fouls. But again, eight of those came in the first three quarters and seven came in the fourth. So I was not one who thought the officiating was necessarily horrible in this game. But when I notice those numbers, it, it, I do think it's, it, that stands out to me, I guess I'll say. I want to get to De'Aaron Fox's postgame presser and just start by saying that De'Aaron had been playing phenomenally lately. In the 12 games heading into this Boston game, in the 12 games that he played post-All-Star break, he was averaging 28.3 points, 6.1 assists, 4.2 rebounds, 1.8 steals on 55% from the field. Again, 28 points a bit more, 55% for the field, 39% from three, and 66% from the free throw line, but focus on the first two numbers. And that 39.4% from three comes on 5.9 attempts per game. He has been getting his threes up, specifically as of late. Right in this game against Boston, he only had five, but you go to that game against Utah, not six of nine from three. Washington only 0 of two, but... The game against Brooklyn, for example, 2 of 8. You go back to that game against Milwaukee, 5 of 12, which I mentioned on a pod after that was part of the game plan that they were going to need to shoot more threes because Milwaukee protects the rim amazingly. But I think that De'Aaron has been playing well, but today was a frustrating showing for him. Clearly, just based on how he kind of went about his his postgame presser, you know, I'm sure that you want to be able to beat these top teams in the East. and really help your team push forward. There's some notable implications in the standings here. The Kings are now a game and a half behind the Memphis Grizzlies who beat the Dallas Mavericks the other night. And that's notable. You know, we're talking about playing the, what is this here? I think that would mean playing the, I can't think of, second round matchups right now again my apologies I'm, I'm tired but it does change who you would be playing in the postseason it specifically changes when you were seeing that's what it is when you'd be seeing Memphis if they get out of their first round matchup in the second round it would mean that Sacramento could have home court advantage rather than Memphis which I do think is pretty notable. I know the Kings have been a better team on the road or have been a good team on the road this season, the best team in the West, as a matter of fact. But you still want home court advantage, especially Golden 1 Center is going to be absolutely rocking during that time. So as I said, De'Aaron Fox had been playing phenomenally post-All-Star break, but in this one, it is 18 points for him on 6 of 11 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, and... He went four or five from the free throw line, and I feel like that's the guy that I saw some whistles that the other guys were getting on the other side that maybe De'Aaron could have got there one or two more times, but 
This was uh, De'Aaron Fox's entire postgame presser right here. Yeah, De'Aaron, five games and seven nights, you guys look a little worn out, but how much are you learning from these uh, these games against tough Eastern Conference opponents? Uh, just the game, I and mean, the game is physical. Um, obviously, they switch a lot, length, um, and that's kind of, that's what, that's what we struggle with. Do you, do you agree with that, that you guys kind of just lost legs in that second half? Uh, I mean, I just think, I mean, they beat us to every ball. Uh, second chance points, scoring off turnovers. Uh, they beat us in all the hustle stats. So, um, I mean, they they beat us in every facet of the game tonight. De'Aaron, Davion seems to be looking a lot more comfortable to do a good job running the second unit tonight, especially in the first half. I'm just curious from your perspective as a point guard and ball handler, how you've seen his growth over the course of this season. Yeah, I mean, well, we want to keep him confident. You know, obviously shots aren't always going to go in. Um but, you know, we always want you to be a threat when you're on the floor. Um, and obviously, a lot of times, most of the time he's out there with Domas. So, obviously, that's someone that you can really play off of. But uh, we always want him in attack mode. Obviously, he does what he does defensively. But offensively, we want him to stay confident and, and always be ready to attack. Darren, in your mind, when, when you face a defense that switches like they do and, and has the length that they do, what what's the antidote to avoid going one-on-one so often against them? Obviously, you want to keep ball movement, things like that. But... Um, just being able to touch the paint once you get your first paint touch, I think it um it'll it it hurts a defense like that. Yeah, De'Aaron, what stood out to you that only led to Boston having five turnovers there, and how much do you think that leaked into some of your offensive struggles? Yeah, we uh, I mean, we I don't think we pressured the ball well. Um, not many deflections. Like I said, I think they they did whatever they wanted tonight, and you know, like I said, they beat us in every every aspect of the game. And tell De'Aaron thinks they just got beat in every aspect of the game. I have, just to be blatantly clear, I have no issues with him feel, feeling um, just down in a presser, feeling bad about a loss. Like, no issues. I think De'Aaron comes off as a competitive guy, and of course you want to win these games. I, of course. So just felt like it was good for you guys to hear sort of uh, some of the frustration from De'Aaron and understandably so and could kind of speed run and figured I'd include the entire presser since it didn't last wrong, last long. The one guy that I also want to talk about here that I did a little bit earlier as well before I get out of here, and I will have another pod um, recording tomorrow. I'll probably just put it out late tomorrow uh, with Adam Taylor, who covers the Boston Celtics, and I'll make sure to include the audio that I got from both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum kind of complimenting the Celtics. And we're going to be talking about the all NBA teams, by the way, Adam, because I wanted to get an Eastern conference perspective and also could talk a little bit about his perspective of this Boston game and an outside perspective on what he's seen from Sacramento. Adam is one of these guys that not one of these guys. Adam is my guy. Adam is one of my best friends and this uh, kind of came up doing this with him, but knows his basketball is X's and O's phenomenally. So Again, wanted to get his perspective on this Boston game and also build an all-NBA ballot together to get his Eastern Conference perspective. And I have my Western Conference perspective based on the two teams that we cover differently to see if De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis both belong on those ballots from our varying points of view. So look out for that tomorrow. But... The one other person I want to talk about, which you heard Matt George ask De'Aaron Fox about in there, Stavion Mitchell. 
I think that Davion Mitchell has been playing really well recently. And specifically in this game, 13 points. And I will say all of those 13 came in the first half. As a matter of fact, 10 of them came in the second quarter. He caught fire as he kind of tends to do not often, but it does happen, right? He has three games this year with 15 plus points. Sacramento's won every single one of those games. And I actually think that I have that number wrong. It's four games. It is four games. Just verified that he scored 15 plus and Sacramento has won every single one of those games. I think him having an offensive production is really important, but defensively, obviously you know what he brings out there and tonight get, seeing him do it against Jalen Brown and at times Jason Tatum, but specifically Jalen Brown, I thought was really impressive specifically when you are considering that height difference with Davion. I think he's like six foot. He basketball reference has him listed at six, two. That seems kind to me, to be honest, maybe six, one. And then Jalen Brown is listed at six, six. And you could see the clear size difference when they were guarding each other. But Davion, when Davion was guarding Jalen, I mean, but I thought that he did a great job there. And Matt George of the Locked on Kings podcast, again, buddy of mine. Check out his work if you haven't already, but I'm sure you guys have. Got to ask Coach Brown about Davion Mitchell, and Coach Brown had some really kind words to say, so I thought that this was important to include as well, and it'll be the last uh, audio clip that I play here. Mike, it seems like Davion is getting a lot more comfortable offensively and running that second unit. I'm just curious your assessment on how he's played these last couple of games and just his development over the course of this year. Davion's been really good. Um, He's been really, really good on both ends of the floor. And uh, there hasn't been, you know, many times I can think back where I could say he, you know, he's been a liability on either side of the floor. Uh, He's probably the one guy that uh, in these, especially these last couple of games, that has been as close to playing uh, on both sides of the ball at the highest level. Um, on our team when it comes to naming that person. So I, I'm happy with uh, Davion's development. Um, you know, again, the sky's the limit for him as a young guy. He's just so tough, and he's uh, always taking on on the challenge, and you like that from uh, from anybody on your team. And words from Coach Brown. I will say I was a little surprised to hear him complimenting the offense the last few games. Tonight's offense obviously stood out. The shots are going down. And as De'Aaron Fox pointed out, he gets to play with DeMontis Sabonis. I was going to say most of the time. It's really all the time. You know, there may be a few moments where he's playing alongside De'Aaron Fox and Domas isn't out there. Excuse me, but that's very rare. Domas, (laughs) a lot of names that start with D there. Davion is usually playing whenever De'Aaron Fox is not and kind of exclusively then. And that would mean that DeMontis Sabonis is on the floor. So I think that does play a factor. Um, But getting to learn to play off a guy like that 
is important as well. But I mentioned the 13 points Davion had in this game, 19 minutes. I thought that he played really well defensively, specifically when they started putting him on Jalen Brown later in that game. But in the game against Utah, two points on one of three, but also two assists, zero turnovers. Actually, Davion does have zero turnovers in the previous three games prior to this game against Boston. And he also had zero turnovers in the game against Boston as well. So that makes it four straight games with no turnovers. And one assist in this game against Boston, two in the game against Utah, three in the game against Washington. So five, six turnovers. I'm sorry. (laughs) Six assists and zero turnovers in his last four games. And not crazy scoring totals in his previous games. I mentioned 13 against Boston, but two against Utah, six against Washington, two against Brooklyn, but not on a crazy amount of shot attempts either. I think just keeping the flow of the offense is so important for Davion. So I think that he's clearly been doing a great job and I would trust coach Brown's opinion a thousand times more than I would trust myself. So wanted to make sure to include his thoughts there. And just the last thing I'll say is that Going into this game against the Phoenix Suns, it's a pretty big game. I think that getting these two days rest, specifically one, they'll practice on Thursday, but we'll get Wednesday off after, again, five games in seven nights, three different time zones. That's just crazy. But getting this little bit of time, I think, will be important for this team. They practice a lot and have practiced a lot. Hopefully getting Kevin Herter back for this game on Friday will be pretty important as well. I don't know if there's been any update on Kevin Durant. Let me see if I can peek at this really quick. And I do not think that Kevin Durant has traveled with the team for their game. It looks like Mark Medina, who covers the Lakers, said that Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton did not travel with the team for tomorrow's game against the Lakers. So I would guess that means considering that they play the Lakers and then have a day in between until they play the Kings that both Durant and Aiton won't be there either. But that is just a guess based on that reporting that I just mentioned. So we will have to see. And This game against the Suns is an important one because sure Sacramento does have a decent little lead on them in the standings. They're currently have a four and a half game lead with there being a few games left though. I don't know that they should feel like that's insurmountable. I highly doubt that happens, but one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games remaining. Maybe Phoenix could go on a roll and maybe Sacramento could slump. I wouldn't bet on it, but this Phoenix game is still important. You also want to be able to beat this team twice. They already beat Sacramento in their first two showings. Sacramento got the best of them the last time that they were able to play in Phoenix. So if you were were to eventually see them in a postseason matchup, it'd be nice to kind of go into that with the season series being 2-2. And it's just a division, I was going to say division rival, but this isn't a division foe opponent, however you want to put it. So there is that as well. But 
I think that's all I got for you guys. Again, sorry for any sort of stutters or taking a second to read things and kind of get myself together. I'm exhausted. It's a late night here right now. A little past uh, 1230. But thanks to everybody for listening to this episode. And of course, be sure to check out the King's Herald for and take a look at their Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage and support all the great guys and gals there. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Post podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from me again next couple days.